Come on. We're up. Laura Bittman Ward, first up. Look at you. Gary Stafford, Gary Allen, Samantha Little from Maidenhead. Hello. Joe Vincent, hiya, happy year to you, Darren. Sharon Stokes, Walthamstow, Simon Farquhar, of course. Adrian Mason, how are you doing, Simon? Kenny Kenny Tate. Hiya, good evening, sir from Dunbar, Mandy Brain. Mike Freeburn for Belfast, hiya, Mike. Ian Price from Bath, Phil Alderman from Surrey, Ian Allen, hello, Ian. <coughs> Hello and welcome to the second Fishing Friday 2021 and a happy alcohol-free Erdinger time to one and all. It is really alcohol-free. There's an old Scottish word, right? or there is a Scottish word, not an old one. <laughs> it's, it's used quite a lot. This is great. The great thing about Fishing Fridays and reduce you to a completely different language. Right? The word is scunner, right? S C U N N E R E D. Scunner, right? And scunner means you've completely had enough, right? I mean, to the point that you feel sick, right? And that's what I was like on January the 2nd. I had an absolute hangover from hell. Totally and utterly scunnered with alcohol, right? And we stopped, so we stopped drinking. So Simone and I have decided we're going to do another... Um, we're going to go for another longing again or see how far we get. Last time, last time we did it, I did five months. And I'd kind of like to do it. It's, I think it was a, a mixture of being scunnered and being... I mean, I was poisoned. I mean, I, I, I can't remember feeling so ill after alcohol. I mean, we basically, after last week's Fishing Friday, we stayed up all night because on Hug like the night before, we'd been kind of, you know, pretty well behaved. But on after the Fishing Friday, it was like, yay, that's it, we've done the two specials, yay! Ding, 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 the clock goes past, the clock goes on, and the clock goes past, and the clock goes on. And it was about four in the morning, five in the morning, we went to bed somehow. <laughs> and like I said, the next day, it was like... Uh, we we didn't I didn't get out of bed until I think it was about five o'clock or something. I was oh it was a mess, real mess, and um, so we just decided to stop stop drinking alcohol again. And it, like I said, with, with everything that's that's going on, it's like you have to. In fact, I find it really le- really easy. Um, the last time we stopped drinking was on it was actually December the twenty sixth for exactly the same reason, being scun up, right, and um. The thing was that when we stopped, it was like we, we kind of carried on through. We did the first day and then we were in lockdown. And it became really easy because you were in a situation where like, you couldn't be asked to go down the co-op. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, uh, it's just go out and get that bottle of whiskey, would you, Corporal? In no man's land, sir, where the snipers are, yes. That's kind of how it, it feels like every time you go down the co-op, especially at this time of year when you've got to defrost the car and, you know, you head all the way down the road. So it's a good time to, to, to stop drinking, right? And just delete Sunday Times wine club <laughs> off, your, off your email list. Please send in urgent need. Right? So, Erdinger Alcohol Fry. 
But I was a fat bastard. I'm becoming a fat bastard as well. I've done nothing. I mean, you know, I am a bear, right? I might be called fish, but I'm really a bear. And it's like, you know, when it gets to winter, you know, and the darkness kind of creeps in and pushes you in from both sides, right? It's, um, you know, I, I tend to eat and drink and, you know, it's, it's a very northern thing, you know, drinking alcohol in the darkness. So, um, so yeah, so I, mean, I found it quite easy on the, or we found it, Simone and I both found it quite easy on the, on the last lockdown. So we just decided to just we'll save it another trip. Because the other thing is, if you do go down the offy, the off license, right? If you go down the offy, right, and you, you're only doing one trip a week, you tend to buy, like, okay, I better get in about four nights. So you buy a bunch of bottles, right? So you've got a bunch of bottles. And normally you'd only drink a couple or like, you know, between you and a night, right? But because you've got a bunch through there, they start talking to you like after the, the, you know, when the last one gets, gets, oh, that's it. And then you're watching, you know, you know, series two, episode seven, and there's eight episodes. It's like, oh, we'll stay up and watch the last episode. And like, okay, we'll just, let's just pop another one out. And then you watch that and then it's like, okay, let's find another series. Yay. And um, yeah, so, and where the Brexit stuff, it's just been, <laughs> the thing was, uh, it was the holidays, so no, nobody really started working until Monday, and that meant all the offices were just getting back together again, so you're trying to contact people on, on the kind of Tuesday and the Wednesday, basically saying, you know, can you give me a phone, and you really need your help on this, and of course, I had my first, um, Meeting today, went for a Zoom meeting with my a uh, couple of people from my accounts in Edinburgh, who are Brexit specialists, right? And I basically spent uh, probably about four hundred quid in fees between all the people that were online, you know, talking with myself and, and the lovely Leanne, my bookkeeper. And um, so yeah, I probably done about four hundred quid just in talking for an hour and a half, right? And um, and to be honest, it's like I'm kind of. Yeah, no, a little bit more, but I've, it's, we're still kind of... Well, I'm reeling from it. I mean, um, on Tuesday, right, when it opened up again, you know, and we had already decided to close the shutdown, I was really between tears and anger. I mean, my eyes were welling up, and I was so angry at what's happened, you know, in the middle of everything that we're dealing with, there's suddenly this forest of hoops that have been put in front of me to jump through, right? And it's interesting because some... I, I always keep some of the old questions, you know, kind of kicking around, you know, just as fallbacks. And way back, Graham Millington wrote, when you first dreamed of rock stardom, did you imagine it would involve developing an expert knowledge of shipping and postal rates, international tax and invoicing systems, and did you see market gardening as part of the lifestyle? <laughs> <laughs> laughs hysterically uh, no I didn't you know but I mean you know one of the things was that we, when I was in Marillion we didn't pay we, we didn't pay enough attention we, did, we, we should have paid more attention but that's why we had a manager at the time that was supposed to act as our interpreter but you know I didn't really get into the mechanics of the music business until I was I, I went into litigation against the UMI and then you know I had to learn a lot and I think it was that experience, 
as I've said before, where you get really shit experiences in your life and you kind of go, that was a really shit experience, blah, blah, blah. But you can learn from it. And that's what I had to do. And what I kind of started to learn from the EMI debacle and was what, after Polydor, brought Dick Brothers on. And it was a case of, you know, this is the only way you can survive. You know, I mean, I could see the writing on the wall, you know, I mean, being out with a major and with Dick Brothers and, and things, it was like, but it was the only way I could survive. I was never going to get another label. And I mean, just to just to point out, you know, I mean, Velschmerz, I mean, I think we've done, I'm not sure the exact number. I'm not, you know, I'm not that stereotypical Scotsman goes, how much money have we made today? I'm not like that at all. Right? And I've got no real idea how many albums we sold. I just know we've still got, a, you know, a couple of containers in there full of stuff. Go away. And, um, yeah, so, you know, maybe we've done just, say, 15,000 albums or something. You know, 15,000 albums, you know, million plays in Spotify. And, um, but, you know, if I'd been signed to a major, <clears throat> you know, the kind of royalty, you a good royalty on a, on a major record company, right? It's about 19% or so, you know? And, um... Well, good in their eyes, right? But, you know, that's what I would have been on. And if I'd made... Vel and Velschmerz cost a lot of money to make. I mean, it was way, way up there. Like, you know, six figures and beyond, right? And, it, well, not a million, but you know what I mean? Beyond the first six. You know, past the one, right? So, I mean, it was it was a hundred and odd grand, right? And, you know, if I'd been on a, on a major label, I would be nowhere near paying that back. Nowhere near. And this was part of the, the, the reason for doing what I do, because it's like, okay, you know, I have to find, if I'm going to be a professional musician, right, and I want to carry on, you know, earning money from my music, then I had to take a new approach to it all. And um, it wasn't what I wanted to do. It was kind of what I had to do. And I've been through different kind of... Um, formats and different setups. I mean, the Dick Brothers setup was all wrong and it, it exploded, right? And then I, I tried different other ways of dealing, dealing with distribution and things through Indies and settled on the, the Chocolate Frog record company model, which is a model, right, <clears throat> that, you know, began way back in 1993 and that we've kind of polished and, and tuned and we know what we need and, you know, and, you know, we're not kind of like a big demanding empire that's got to like, you know, we must suck things in because we can only survive if we suck the energy from out there. It's not like that. It's, it's very simplistic. And, you know, we do about normally about 50 packages, 70 packages a day. It's great. You know, we can, we can deal with that. We've got, you know, we can gather what we need from it, you know. We don't have an expensive lifestyle here by any stretch of the imagination, right? And um, it's a nice, simple thing that worked. It worked. It worked really well. And, you know, we've spent the last six months tuning up the mail order, sorting out, ironing out all these little glitches that came up when we moved into Fuse Metrics. You know, we sorted all that out. We've got Royal Mail, you know, we've got Click and Drop. We saw ahead of the game and I got the CN22 stickers that's like, you know, like the custom stickers and electronic customs data stickers and everything. And suddenly, basically, I mean, when you look at it, it was only six days ago that everybody found out what was happening. 
And it's like, like I said, I, I just spent 400 quid today trying to talk to people who, who are experts in the field that really don't know what's going on. And um, one of the things, right, <clears throat> I don't want to bore you, right, so, so, but it's, it's just interesting, right, because you're kind of, you, you're involved with this in, in, in a way, right? Exporting CDs, non-VET registered, Customers in EU countries value more than 22 euros, right? right? See if I get it, the print is so small. From the 1st of January 2021, goods exported from the UK to non-VAT registered customers in the EU will be VAT zero rated, but will be liable to import VAT in the country in which your customer resides. That's you, if you're in Europe. If you're in the UK, it's going to be the same. Right. The import VAT can be collected from the customer by the courier, postal operator, or customs agent. Look at the ORs, right? Or customs agent, depending on how you choose to send the goods. Right? How I choose to send the goods. The courier, right? The courier, postal operator, or customs agent will arrange for the VAT to be paid to the relevant EU authority, right? Okay, the courier, postal operator or customs agent will arrange for the VAT to be paid to the relevant EU authority, right? That's great. I know them all really well. Uh, for your UK GV records, you should obtain and retain a certificate of posting. For, so everything that goes out, we're supposed to retain a certificate of posting, right? To be clear on this, this is actually written in this. To be clear on this, the import VAT is payable by your EU customer, not yourself. EU customer, that's you. Right? Uh, please note, you may consider selling on a guaranteed landing cost basis. This is where you take ownership for all costs and your customer pays you and set amount up front when ordering. So like you pay me and then I pay somebody, right? The next sale should be reported in box six of the UK VAT return, right? There would be no EC sale list or interest that reporting, right? So, right, we're six days in, right? This is why the shop's closed. <laughs> so all of the EU, right, and there's another little adage on this one, right? All of the EU is now we don't charge VAT to anybody in the EU. Germany, Holland, da 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 blah, 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 right? Right, this is another little one, right? If somebody from Germany or Holland orders a package that is under 15 quid, right? That package goes from here across to Holland, Germany, into the EU, and they don't have to pay VAT on it, right? So one package under 15 quid, right, value under 15 quid, there's no VAT payable. Anything over 15 quid, it goes out, right? And we think it goes to the post office, and we think that... Um, Basically, the post office will have to get in contact with the person or the person's going to have to find the tracking number, right? To go down to the post office in a COVID situation, right? To stand in a queue two meters apart with a mask on, to stand there, to sign on, to pay the import duty on the fish album that was sent from across in Scotland, right? That's where it's at. But we don't know. And I put a phone call into my post office guy to take on... <laughs> Can somebody please tell me what, what, what's happening? And, you know, how does this VAT tax thing work? How, what do I tell the people? What do I tell them? And it's this whole thing about if it's under 20 quid, you don't have to pay VAT, right, out there in Europe, right? But if it's over, you do, down at the post office or online. We don't know, right? 
and this is six days, and this is us, right? And this is us only for the next six months because in July, everything changes. <laughs> and that's why I stopped drinking because I'm going to have to keep my eye on the ball in this. <laughs> it's a fucking nightmare. And I said to them, I said to the, the Brexit guy, my, the Brexit specialist at my counter, I said, look, so I said, what happens in, in Germany now with, with VAT and, and, and tax and everything, right? I said, you know, so in Germany, as, as, a, as a, an international artist, you go in and you pay about, what's about 19% VAT, and 90% tax in Germany on your earnings, right? As, you know, and what happens is you get a little bit of paper and you bring the little bit of paper and when it comes to January and you put your books in, you put a little bit of paper in that says, I have paid this in Germany, right? We don't know if that works now. I'm waiting on guidance from people who are completely stressed out because there's hundreds of other people like me asking the same firm, what do we do? <laughs> and they told me two months ago, they said, look, it can go one of three ways. And they said to me today, it's actually didn't go one of the three ways, it's gone this way, right? And they just they admit, it's just a mess. <laughs> and it's, uh, and you know, and there's, there are some businesses out there that are like, um, they're, they're no longer, right, selling it to the EU. This is absolute fact. There are businesses that have gone, we just can't sell to the EU, it's too complicated, right? And, it's, and I can't do that because there are so many of you out there in the EU. And I can't just go like, oh, well, we're not going to sell albums to you anymore. Yeah, because like half of my business is, is half of my sales in the EU. <laughs> it's like, uh, I, was, I actually said to someone, I said, if I start raving and ranting today, right? I said, I said, get the cow prod out and just give me a back to the toilet. You know. But to answer th that question, you know, you have to do this, you know? And now, now we have to employ people because it's like we're now going into a world of gobbledygook jargon, right? And you have to employ people to make sure the right billbox is ticked. Otherwise, you're freight containers, you know, full of CDs and albums. And I have the vinyl albums coming over the second week of February, which is going to be a whole experiment on, like, you know, being a UK international importer. Bollocks. Yeah. I just want to sing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dina Roach, why don't people go to number 10 to process? They did. Yeah. Nobody gave a damn. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's um, suddenly this... Uh, yeah, Tim Sycamore, no wonder you don't want to drink. It's, I really don't. It's like, you know, if, if, if I'd had a couple of swallies before I came on here tonight, the cow prod would definitely be like, shut up. Slanger. I am calm. I am in control. But yeah, it's just been a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, sorry, I didn't mean to confuse you all. Or I'm just explaining kind of what's been going on. The good news is, one, one, of the, one of the good pieces of news that happened this week is tomorrow at 10.25, my mum gets the vaccine. So I've got to take my mum out of the house. It's the first time, apart from the wee driving on her birthday, it's the first time she's been out of the house for, for well, since, God, like last January? It's just about a year. So mum's going down to the, the down to Hannington Clinic tomorrow just after 10 and she's going to get a vaccination, which is great. And that attack takes a wee bit, uh, a wee bit away of her mind because we're, we're very aware here that, you know, it's, um, we're very aware that 
you know, if something came in this house, you know, my mum was going to have a problem, a big, big, serious problem. So, you know, the fact that my mum's um, getting her first vaccination tomorrow makes me feel a little bit better. And when she gets the second one, I'm going to feel a lot better. But, uh, but Steve Ansis was, um, I was talking to Steve earlier today and he was saying that they were looking up when he was supposed to be getting his vaccination and he's scheduled for, I think it's September or October this year, which is absolutely useless because we need to be on tour then if this tour that everybody's saying is still going to go ahead, goes ahead, as it does. <laughs> you got to laugh. <laughs> All right, I've got to go down. Nurk Neffles, Happy New Year from Rotterdam. <clears throat> See you in Utrecht this year. I hope, yep, I hope, yeah. Paul Emery, it's the same other way too. Lots of UK businesses not selling to UK. Yeah, it's exactly. It's like this wonderful thing. This wonderful thing is... Hi, darling. Hi, Taz. How are you doing? Uh, uh, easier to hand-deliver them, Emma Newman. I'll get, uh, pigeons. I reckon if we get pigeons, right? i maybe buy a thousand pigeons or something. You know, screw drones. You know, let's do something that's kind of good for the environment. <laughs> City pigeons... Right, shoot them with tranquilizers, get them down, train them, right, to fly across to Europe, right? And uh just see how much they can carry, you know, just how much is there. European city pigeon. Oh, a European city pigeon can carry about one point seven five kilograms in a good day with a tailwind. <laughs> Dear Fish and Simone, my package hasn't delivered hasn't arrived yet. I've tried tracking it, but it says it's somewhere in the middle of the North Sea. <laughs> <laughs> package says delivered but it must be on somebody else's roof <laughs> oh we've got trouble playing this video learn more god what's happening now why are you having trouble playing this video oh come on come on come on is it working Oh. Come on. Oh, it's playing silly buggers. Sorry. Oh, where have you now? Where have you now? Come on, come on. Broadband. Maybe it's snowing. I was watching CNN last night, as you do, at about two in the morning. Ah, it's up. It's working fine. Robert Thompson, protect vulnerable band members in a, in a cocoon. Oh, yeah. In a spinal tap like cocoon. That'd be the way to do it. Eh? We could all get carried about in cocoons in the back of the truck, right? Or, or the cocoons could go and then we could get out of the bus and without our feet even touching the ground, we could be assembled in our cocoons and then wheeled to the stage, right? Well, you have to have your arms out, but you'd have to have big rubber gloves on or something to like, be able to play guitars and stuff. I could have an, an internal mic inside the cocoon. And then they could feel us back, you know, spray us down, and put us, put, take it back out, put us back in the bus again. It's just like, you know, <laughs> it's, I, don't know I don't know what's going to happen. I've got no idea. The music business. <laughs> the music business. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Attach a CD behind the dorsal feathers, yes. 
Steve Allen, CNN is fake news. Get real, buddy. Right? It's like, you know, the other night I was watching it and Steve and I were talking on the phone. I'm going, this is the best episode yet. Right? And it was, uh, I just couldn't believe it. I started watching in the morning because we had a great morning. So I, oh, I never told you, I can kind of say this now, right? Taz, am I little? <laughs> I see Taz. Uh, basically, um, we just rented out a load of plants um, and gave a lot of plants to the Outlander set. Um, they're putting sets together because these guys are still working out there. And uh, I, was, I was contacted through a contact um, about uh, getting some plants. So they took about three big blueberry blueberry bushes and pots and things and leeks and things like that. It's to, to put the set in for something they're going to be working on, which is supposed to be featuring vegetables from the winter. And my vegetables, the Funny Farm Kitchen Garden vegetables, will be on the Outlander set. And I hope we get a credit just after the director featuring vegetables supplied by the Funny Farm Kitchen Garden, right? So I had that. So, and we get paid for it. It's an actual case. It's a rent deal. So it's like my first ever piece of income as, 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 our, as our, our professional gardening team, Simona, Simona and I. The Funny Farm Kitchen, Funny Farm Kitchen Garden makes its, its, its first dollar. But yeah, so that day it was like when they came down and they were, they, they were, it was brilliant because... They actually took a load of peat. I've got a big vine over a pergola and they needed bits of the vine to dress the set with, you know? So I got my vine all cut as well. It was, it was, it was a, a lovely piece of work the boys did. Lovely piece of work. But then I came in. And it was, uh, it was, um, I, you know, I've, I've been watching CNN. I mean, you can say all you want about CNN. I don't just take CNN as my newsfeed. It's the one the American newsfeed I do get here. If I had Fox here, I would be jumping between Fox and CNN to get both sides of the bollocks, right? But it's like the, the Fox stuff I can watch on, I pick up all sorts of things. I've told you this before. I'm not an idiot, right? And, it's, um, and I'm quite able to kind of perceive, you know, certain things. And I can hear both sides of the story and I can come up with my own opinion. Thank you very much, right? And it's... Um, you know, so I was. We came in after the after Outlander had, had, had taken my veg away, right? And um, I was interested because it was the 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 the, the Georgian election uh, uh, for the, the two senators, and um, and I knew that basically the house was going to. You know, it was if the Democrats got the two, it was evens, and vice president, you know, has the has the call. So it was important because I understood that, you know, you know, President-elect Joe Biden was going to be coming in and if he, if he didn't have House, etc., then, you know, it was a lame-duck presidency. And he got it. But at the time, we didn't. So I'm watching that. And I was also very aware that there was the Trump rally, you know, outside the White House. And I was very aware that they were doing the, the electoral roll call in, um, in um, Congress later on. Right, so all eyes on Washington. Right, so the Georgian thing's coming through, and they, they pick up one. Warnock comes through. Right, you're waiting, and also against Purdue to happen. Right, and also like winding the lead, and it's okay. We're going to switch across, and here we are in Washington. This is the Capitol building, interspersed with you know ravings from Giuliani and Trump and stuff. You know, in, in front of the White House, and um. And then I, I was watching, I thought I'll watch the electoral roll call because I, I was aware 
of the fact that there was going to be an objection and the first objection that was going to be coming up was on Arizona, right? So I thought, let's see what happens. I just wanted to watch this, watch it unfold. We stopped watching everything at four o'clock in the morning, right? We just, we watched basically live TV from America from <laughs> two o'clock in the afternoon all the way through to four o'clock in the morning. I, and as I said to Steve, it's the best episode yet, right? I couldn't, but you couldn't have written that. You couldn't have written it. And there were some really beautiful moments. There were some great speeches. Mitch McConnell, I thought, delivered a fantastic speech. And there was, um, Ted Cruz was a bit like, oh, poisonous snake, right? And it was it was great watching it unfold. And then, of course, you know, the mob. <laughs> the mob that nobody expected. <laughs> and uh, it was it was awful. It was it was it was. Um, I really felt for my American friends. I mean, you know, I, I think if you know we'd been watching that happening in the House of Commons or whatever, and that kind of you know frontal assault by a mob, right? You know, you would have been, you know, you would have been embarrassed, you know, just for the, the, the and you know, and I felt for a lot of people, and I, I was angry. It's like you know because I mean, there's been so many. You know, and I'm sure, I mean, I've had it on here. I've been smacked. As soon as I mention Trump, I think it hits an algorithm and then I get, you know, selected for targeting, right? But, but it was it was shocking to watch. And, um, but I, the thing about CNN, it's like they suddenly, it was like, you know, you know, they suddenly went, went from being protesters and there were a lot of peaceful protesters. There was a lot of people cut up, but there was always the nars. Everybody knows there's nutters in a situation like that. And the nutters were all at the front and the nutters were all on TV and like, and uh, it was it was pretty horrible to watch. And um, I'm watching the situation come under control, but just watching what is happening in the States at this moment in time, I mean, it's it's, it's, it's quite frightening. But it's, uh, but it's interesting though. It's like, well, you, you see all these, um, it's like the, the, the protesters, an American, somebody from America actually wrote on the thing last week and he said he was getting his, what was it, his Big Mac, Big Mac bouncing Betty's out for the, I can't remember what he called them. It was like the meal pack, whatever it was, right? And it was these guys and I didn't know what it was. And I went and checked it out. I went, what is this? And then there was all these photographs of like really big fat guys and women, right, in military outfits, like bulging all of me out there, right, you know. And there they were, and you see them all running about with camouflage on. It's like some, like a military fantasy. <laughs> oh, well, I always want to be in the SES, but I ate too much. <laughs> I could never get up the first hill. <laughs> but yeah, we have them here. They're everywhere. Right, it's like these guys that dress up in military uniform that are like, you know, they kind of like, I don't even knew, I didn't even know they made uniforms that shape or size. <laughs> they've, got to, they've got to be bespoke. It's got to be a bespoke uniform because there's no way people like that get in the army. No way. It's all, <laughs> sorry. No. Mm. Uh, military Teletubbies, yeah. Karen Briggs, yeah. <laughs> Leonard Barton become a newsreader? No way. No, I mean, there'd be an occasional fuck would come out of my mouth that I couldn't help, you know what I mean? But, I mean, I mean and, was, and there was coppers there. There was coppers and I'm going, is that just a multitude of stab vests? <laughs> I'm wearing an extra 15 today, just in case, because it could get rough out there. <laughs>
It's great. Oh, you if you attacked a copper, all you have to do is roll over his back and roll him down the hill. That was about the game, right? But it was, but you've, and I really felt for some of these kind of the, the, some of the city cops in, inside inside uh, the Capitol building. You're standing at the top of the stairs, the stairs. You've got fifty guys coming at you. You've got no. You've got a wee stick. Get back, or I'll wave the stick at you. <laughs> oh God. But in all seriousness, it, it, it was shocking. And, and the fact that that mob was instigated to try and change a process that couldn't be changed anyway, that was the stupid thing about it. It's like, you know, you know, if, if it was, as a protest, it was like, it wasn't going to achieve anything because there was no way that anybody was going to change that. You know, you can't change the, you know, the, the, we're here for democracy, but the people have actually already voted. All they're doing is reporting what the people said. And uh, of course it was like, oh, fake. And you know, presented with so much evidence showing that, you know, there doesn't seem to be, you know, any kind of wrongdoings and they're still going at it, right? Get the fat guys up the hill, put the fat guys through the barriers, right? You know, it was funny seeing a Confederate flag as well. Watch, seeing a Confederate flag wave, waving inside the, the Citadel itself, it's like, you'd go... But it's a strange planet we live on. It's a really weird planet. I mean... As I said, I mean, every, every day we, we, we turn on the news and, you know, it's, and I do, I mean, you know, I know some of you Americans think, you know, well, it's, it's, I'm on the CNN feed. I, I am able to, to wade through what's been seen. And I do think CNN over-egg the pudding, so to speak. And they just, it's like, well, you shut up now. You've made your point, now shut up, right? But it's, uh, oh, yeah, that's <laughs> great. Good on you, Nicola. Seemingly, um, and, and he might be coming now because he's. Uh, it was uh, Donald's not going to the the inauguration day now. He's, I think he's the first president ever that's you know been alive. I don't know. It's like, but he's the first president that ha isn't going to be going to the inauguration to the gentlemanly handover. Well done. It's, it's good luck for the next four years. Our country. No, he's not going because he's pissed off. Right, being cheated. Right. And the rumour was, and seemingly this is true, there has been an application made for the landing of uh, an American kind of official plane. Um, uh, be, I think it's like the day before the inauguration or something at the golf course, and Nicholas Sturgeon said, no, it's not coming in here. <laughs> That's not coming anywhere near here. It's like, we have this thing called lockdown, and we have this thing where we don't allow people coming in, and like, you know... So I think yeah, Donald, they've actually been told, like, I'm sorry, but your plane can't land here because it's contravening uh, Scottish health regulations, which I'm really proud of. Uh, yeah, I'm glad of that. But it's, I wonder what he's going to do. He's, he's got to watch TV. But it was funny the other night, it's like, his Twitter feed's been shut off. His Instagram feed's been shut off. His, his, his Facebook machine feed's been switched off. But what would we do without Facebook? What would you do? Imagine, fish has been banned and Fishing Friday is no longer. <gasps> but yeah, but somebody who's just communicating with that, somebody, I read today that one of the reasons why Donald Trump came out with this wonderful kind of placatory, placatory um, kind of message today, right, was because they were going to threaten to come off for life. <laughs> Oh no, I've only got the Dal Keith advertiser to communicate with my fan base through. Uh, Paul Emery, not essential travel. Yes, no, yeah, yeah, yeah it's essential travel. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Theresa Carr, no four or five didn't, didn't attend before. Like, well, that's cool. I'd like to know when. But it's like, not in recent times. It just, it's just, I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm not going. Right? So, you know, we all hate losing, you know? And I've been on, you know, I've, I've, I've been on the losing side in quite a few elections and, um, Elections and, and stuff recently, you know, and in recent years, you know, yeah, I was pissed off, yeah, uh, but yeah, I was really angry and all the rest of it. But you know, after like a while, you got to accept it. Brexit's harder to take. That's the hardest one for me to take, you know, because you know, I live in a country that didn't vote for it. Right? The wee country called Scotland, right, which is part of the United Kingdom, right, we didn't vote for it. That's that, that's why I'm kind of like. A little bit annoyed, but I mean, more annoyed before. Anyway, yeah. I'm seeing, I nearly went there, nearly went, you know. Uh, Marina Buro, yeah, oh, wait a minute. Rico Pina, yes, Paul Emery, non essential traveler, Roberto Vallecillo from Mexico, hello. Dana Roach, don't think the world will miss Trump. No, I think Trump's going to miss the world. You know, it's going to be interesting. You know, it's, you know, I mean, I know what it was like, you know, when I, after I got involved with the EMI thing and, I, and after I left Marillion and then got hit by EMI and then went through the internal exile. I'm, I'm you know, the, my kind of beginning of my expression of my, my kind of Scottishness period. And um, yeah, I wasn't invited to many parties either. <laughs> It was funny during that time. I mean, when I left the Marillos, and then it was it was strange how, you know, you suddenly you know you weren't on the list that was invited to certain gatherings. Yeah. I don't give a damn. Michael Enthoven, I believe yesterday's yeah yesterday's thing was only the start. Maybe I mean the thing is, it's like you know, not everybody in 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 that. It's, the thing is that not everybody, you know, yesterday was, you know, they weren't there to, to create violence or smash things up and stuff. It was, it was a spearhead minority, you know, you know. And one of the problems is, and the, the media's got a lot to blame, a hell of a lot. I mean, you know, sometimes my eye, my eyebrows, I mean, you really go up. I mean, on CNN, on BBC, and everything. I mean, I think the way that the media can blow things out of proportion and. You know, the, you know, the, one minute it was a protest march, and then it was completely out of hand, and, and and suddenly we're in a situation where it's the 25th Amendment and impeachment and everything. I mean, you know, the way that the media jump on certain things, you know, they have they need to be held up to account as well. You know, and, and the way they have inflamed it, and you know, I think in in America the, the same as everywhere. We all live together. I mean. You know, we all live in the, the, the same communities, but I mean, I've never seen a country so polarised as, as, as America at the moment. And, you know, President-elect Biden, when he becomes president on, on the 20th, you know, he's, he's got a huge task to bring that country back together again. And, you know, if he can pull it off, he's a man, you know. But there's a lot of work to be done. But I mean, the very fact that there's so many lies have been kind of you know, encouraged, right? You know, when from what I see and from the evidence I see from lots of different sources, right? From lots of different sources, not CNN, lots of different sources. It just seems to point there's no way 
that, that you know these the, the figures. I mean, there will be some bits and pieces that are wrong, but not enough to actually change the outcome of of you know the results. You know, and I think that's the, the biggest problem. And it was a, an interesting thing last night, and they were talking about the lie. And how the lie, with a big capital L in inverted commas, is used, has been used by so many people, you know, in the past to in, inflame the population to kind of um, to act as a kind of a magnet or, or or a lifeline for for desperate people to climb onto. It's like the lie, the, the the blame. This is why it's all gone wrong with the lie, the lie, the lie. And it's until they address the lie. It's not addressing Trump. It's until they address the lie that has been created and get people's um, uh, confidence back in, in, in the voting system, you know? I mean, I could understand when... I, I, I don't know where I'm, I'm going on boring people to death, but I could understand Ted Cruz asking, saying, for, like, OK, we want another commission, right, to go through it all again, to prove to the people. But then again, all you're doing in that position is basically we're putting another commission, you're basically saying, well, it could be a lie, we have to prove it's not. It's like, accept it, trust the government, and I think that's the problem, that, you know, people are not trusting the... The, the machinery at this moment in time. And it, it's, it's terrible, and it's happening all over the world. You know, I mean, I think that the QAnon people, these conspiracy dealers, you know, they're the problem, you know, and um, and it's hard to see, you know, where to get it, but I think a lot of it's got to do with the media. Um, you know, the, you know, the truth will out, but I mean, it's, uh, it's the creepy point at this. And knowing what's going to be happening this year, I know what's going to be happening in this country. So uh, there will be a lot of games and joyous stuff. Carol Lotus Olsen, you need to let, you need to be live simultaneously on your YouTube. Ah, da, da, da. So the Trumpster can see me. Oh, Donald Watch, he's me. He's, he's a friend on Facebook, man. Right. Ray Rooks, the media lies. It's like... The media doesn't lie. It's just that the media embellishes. I don't think... I mean, I think if you look at the results... I mean, I, and I know there's, there's a lot of Trumpers on here, right? And, you know, it's like... When you're faced with a situation where it was, what was it, 66 you know, legal cases were thrown out from courtrooms which were actually run by Trump-appointed judges, you know? When everything, there's not one of them stuck, not one stuck... And you've got to kind of go, well, maybe they're all, maybe it's all wrong, but it all comes down to power. And that was what happened yesterday. And it's like, I can, I can see why, you know, Donald Trump could be facing impeachment charges. And when he is no longer president, he is going to have a lot of problems. And I can see him flying at America very, very fast, right? Um, he did instigate that yesterday. Uh, it was, um, you know, he did stand on a stage together with Rudy Giuliani and um, uh, Donald, uh, uh, Junior, Trump Junior. And they did say, head down the road, go down there, go down the road, go down, uh, um, uh, you know, head down Pennsylvania. And, you know, they set up. They, they knew what they were doing. They were trying to create, a, you know, they were trying to disrupt a democratic machine. And it, as has been said, America is a shining democracy and it should be cherished and supported, right? But what Trump is doing is he's trying to destroy it. And yesterday, as was reported, was a coup. It was an attempted coup, right? The other thing is, this is just to bypass this, just to take a step back, a step sideways and all. Right? And I'm sorry it's a bit serious today, but, you know, 
I remember back in, in, in the early 80s and they would show film footage, you know, from Russia of people standing in long queues waiting on food, right? And they would show, um, for example, the White House in, in, in Moscow when the attack happened back then and everybody was shocked. I mean, OK, it was a bit more lethal, but it was the same... It had the same background, the same kind of driving force behind it. And we used to sit back, right, and look at Russia and look at, you know, Eastern European places and, and, and Eastern Bloc countries. And we'd be going, that's terrible, that. Imagine that happened in our country. It is. That's the creepy thing, you know? It's what used to shock us back in the 80s is actually happening in the UK at the moment and happening in, in, in other places. And, uh, you know, rethink required. That was just a wee side step. Well. Leonard Barton need to make this a three-hour show, yeah. I'm sorry, but, I'm, you know, it's been getting to me because, I mean, I have been... I am really interested because it affects all of us. I mean, just before, you know, I came on air, there was a thing, and it was uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi was saying that... Um, they want to make sure that there's um, no chance of a major international incident happening, as, as in, like, you know, can somebody please make sure that Trump doesn't have the codes, you know? And you laugh, right? There is a carrier, an American carrier, sitting in the Gulf with jets in striking range of Iran tonight as we speak, right? right? As we speak. And that was brought in in the last week or so, two weeks or so. And there is, you know, what was reported was there was a, a, a bit of a contretemps, you know, within um, uh, the, the generals of staff, you know, et cetera, you know, because a situation had to be diffused rather quickly, you know. And this is the problem. There are 13 days to go. It's like, you know, this isn't the last episode. <laughs> There's still 13 days to go and anything could happen, right? And, it's, and like I said, I mean, I watch it. I mean, Simona and I, and Simona, like, Simona normally doesn't like me, she, like me watching news. I mean, I've been told that it may be a good idea to get the TV out of the kitchen because I sit at the kitchen table and I watch the news while I'm eating, you know, and ignore everybody else. So the TV's coming out of the kitchen. But, I mean, you know, Simona normally has a real go at me for watching news and TV, and we sat from 2 o'clock in the afternoon all the way through till four o'clock in the morning, watching this. And you, 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 as I said, you couldn't have written it. You know, if, if you'd actually written that, you'd go, nah, it's bollocks, man. It never would have happened, you know? Well, Andy Laidlaw, but yeah. Andy Adrian Tescar from Berlin, thank you. <laughs> David McElroy. Uh. It's interesting. No, no, I'm just reading because I don't want to read it all out because I don't want this becoming a, a, a flame war, you know? Yeah, it's just creepy. But I mean, you know, we're, we're sitting in Britain, you know, and um, it was, uh, you know, last last week when there was the, the, the broadcast and uh, when... Um, 
we watched First Minister Nicola Sturgeon, you know, come on Scottish TV, and she delivered a, a wonderfully eloquent, intelligent piece of communication, right, in a very personable way. And even, so, I mean, Mark Wilkinson even sent me a text after it, and he said, like, I understand now. And he said that was just brilliant. And she's been fantastic at communicating and, and, and dealing with us here. And, and people in Scotland are reacting to it, you know. I think, you know, we feel that by doing what we're doing, you, you really feel like you're supporting the community. You really feel like you're supporting the country, you know, and you feel part of it all, you know. And, and that has a lot to do with the information and the way the information is provided by the Scottish Government. And the, the difference was that, you know, was on that particular night, it was like on Boris Johnson was delivering his speech in, on Channel 4, right? So I thought, I'll, I'll listen to what Boris is saying, right? And some of you may know this experience, right? But you know when you're in the room with an accountant or a really boring lecturer or whatever, and the central heating's a bit too high up and you're wearing a parka, right? And the guy's talking to you in that monitor and you start going like, like that. You know, trying to keep your eyes open because you're going to miss something really, really important. <laughs> but it's like, you know, being hypnotised. That was what Boris Johnson was like. It was like that. I was going, oh, God, he's talking. And, you know, even Simona was saying this. She just went, oh, God. He's, he's got terrible communication skills. Terrible. Well, but, um, but, yeah, so here we are again. <laughs> and I'm glad I bought some extra toy rolls. <laughs> I have chickpeas, I have cannellini beans. We've got seven pheasants running out in the garden. If it gets really bad, the air guns out, right? Yeah. <laughs> Val Gamble, it's too scary fish. Please tell us something cheerful. Yeah, I, just, I always remember reading Spike Milligan books. I used to love Spike Milligan books. And... Uh, and Spike was asked, I think it was on a Michael Parkinson show or something, and he said, you know what, how could you be so funny? And like, why could you, how was there so much laughter around? And he said, like, Spike said, well, we didn't laugh, we go insane, right? And I think that's kind of where it's at at the moment. You've, got, you've just got to, and I've got a terrible habit of doing that when I've been, when I've been caught out doing something that I really shouldn't be doing, right? I'm not saying what. But when I've been caught out doing something, right, my first response is to laugh. I think it's a, it's a stress thing, I think. <laughs> but I start laughing. It's like, <laughs> I know he's dead, but it's funny, isn't it? <laughs> it's, a, it's a bad, I'd, uh, but I'd, I just get release. I have to, I have to have emotional releases. And, uh, Dave Carr. No wine tonight. You got red. No, I've got a, I've got there's a bottle of gin sitting through there, and there's four bottles of tonic outside outside the door. Right, ain't touched it. So, I'm I'm <laughs> Neil Hale. I'm all right. I'm I'm kind of I'm cheered up and stuff. You know. Yeah. Oh no, I'm not getting into that. Oh, it's, yes, Bowie's. It's, this is the day that Bowie died today as well. I should have played five years tonight. Oh. Okay.
I knew it was going to score high, but I didn't know it was going to score this high. Uh, and I do the segue. I've got to admit something, right? I've got to admit something. I didn't send one single Christmas card this year. It's not that we forgot. We just got completely overwhelmed and I haven't sent Christmas cards out to people. And normally, I like, kind of like doing the cards because I, I kind of write and I, I write my wee bits. This is what happened to different people. And I haven't. I, there was only, I think there was about... F apart from the neighbours that we handed in, it's like, we never sent it. And it, one of the things was... <laughs> We got these cards printed, which you can see, you see on the Facebook page, the one with the Dreamcatcher thing, it was photographed up there. And um, um, so I gave them to my mum, and because my mum's writing to family and things, so, and, and mutual friends. And I said to my mum, I said, look, I said, you know, I, let us sign them, we'll sign them as well, mum. I said, <laughs> we posted them all. So we thought, well, we're actually going to, they're going to be getting two of our Christmas cards in the mantelpiece, one from my mum and one from me, me and Simona and things. So anyway, I've got to write, I've still got to write all my Christmas cards. So um, it's, uh, and I, I decided it's like next year, I, I'm going to give it a buy. Postage and everything else is just going nuts. And I think about, I'll just do, I think I'm going to do what everybody else does and do a charity thing next year or something. But, it's, uh, but yeah, but I've not written my Christmas cards. And... Normally that's kind of where I kind of catch up with people that I've, I've not seen for a while. And, you know, it's like it's old friends and things and, and you know, uh, roadies and next band members and da-da-da, how you doing, blah, 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 da-da-da, been up to this, done this, you know. And I've not seen any this year. It's terrible and I feel a bit ashamed. But, I mean, I was just, you know, whatever that happened with, with Simona and, and, and stuff, it was just, it just became a mess, right? I know. <laughs> David McElroy, absolutely. So my point was, it's like, I would normally write, but I'm a rubbish letter writer. And I think email is... I kind of miss the old days when we used to write. I mean, I, used, I remember I used to write to... to to old girlfriends, you know, when I was in, you know, in my early twenties, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd write letters because, you know, you've had a phone that wrote letters and there was no mobiles, right? No Facebook, right? And, um, you know, I used to enjoy it, but I've forgotten how to write. And, and sometimes when I've actually got to sit down and write with my hand, you know, I mean, I used to, I used to handwrite all my lyrics. Everything used to be handwritten. And I would only type them up once I'd gone through all the different handwritten versions. So, like, you know, I'd do lines, score them out, score it words. Then I would go up from that template and go up onto the, the, the Microsoft Word and I would do a document. And then that document becomes the, the proper lyric that I sent to Mark Wilkinson for the albums, album. But that was the way it worked. Sketchy pad notes, follow through, first plan, second draft, third draft, fourth draft, computer. Now it's notebook computer and then I start moving them about I start shifting things around in, on the computer and uh, it is a lot easier <laughs> but you forget how to use your hand uh, you, you you forget and I used to be when I was at Kings Park Primary I mean handwriting was like driven into you you know I mean you would sit there doing you know the letter D the letter D D D D D E E E I mean and I have been told I've got very nice handwriting. And it came from 
King's Park Primary School. And especially Nan Amos, who was my teacher as well, and Miss Cahoon and things. And it was drummed into us, you know, to write um, legibly. And um, and I've, I, it's, it's through years of key tapping, and I still can't work a keyboard really well. A lot of the reasons got to do with these hands. I mean, if you look at these hands, right, you, you see all that scar tissue, right? That's all Dupuytren's disease. And if you look at my that is as straight as I can put my fingers, right? So, uh, the, like that. That doesn't go up any more than that, right? And this one's the same, right? And that's a real pain in the ass, right? And then that's my other hand. You see all the cuts on that? And the white spots, that's... You see all the five... So when I'm typing, right, and I get these lazy fingers, if you look at that, if you look at that, it seem, it's like a spider, right? And this pinky keeps on hitting the capital tab, right? So you've got da 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 ding, and it's the capitals. Oh, shit, don't... Well, no, that's the old way of doing it. Shing! I used to have a typewriter when I was a kid. I loved it. And I think this is part and parcel of kind of like how I became who I became. But I was given a wee kind of Olivetti thing, a little baby Olivetti. And I used to type out Subuteo, when I used to type out all my Subutio football leagues and things and like the team sheets that I used to write up, I used to do it all in this little typewriter with a ribbon and ching, ching. But with the, with the keyboards, with a computer keyboard now, you can see my hands, right? And I'm trying to hit keys and tabs and everything with these things, right? And I keep on hitting the cap tabs and I've got this really annoying thing on this, on this, on the side, it's, a, it's like a little wheel, and I keep on hitting that with my finger. And because I've got nerve damage, I don't even know I've done it until it happens on the screen. It drives me nuts, man! I tell you, that's when I nearly there's times where it's like, <laughs> sludge. Well, but yeah, so um, writing letters. You know, as I said, I mean. I, I still like a pen in my hand, and, I, and I've always, I, I love good pens, and I, I love, I, I, find, I love a fine nib, I do. <laughs> love a fine nib. And then judge me, I like a nice fine nib. And, um, yeah, I, I, I really like it, but writing is, is something that, you know, I used to love doing, and emails just make you lazy. And they not only make you lazy, it's like, because it's so easy, right? Sometimes you should be writing to people and you want to write to people and you don't because it's like, oh, I'll do it another time. I'll do it another time, do it another time. And it's part and parcel of the music business as well because, you know, I think in the music business, you're, you're, you're kind of always in motion. You know, you're always moving your your periods when you're in home it's you know back in the day it was rare you know you'd be back for four weeks and when you're back you know you're not writing to people you know and I never wrote to people on the road you know and uh but the thing is that you meet loads of people hundreds of people and I've got hundreds of friends all over the world and some of these friends are great friends I mean Tyler Pittman a great friend of mine for Nashville Right, we talked for the first time in about two years the other week there. And I'm, you know, 
And if Tyler and I met, it'd be, it'd be brilliant as if we hadn't seen each other since yesterday, right? And there's a lot of other people out there that I feel, but I don't stay in contact, right? It's not through rudeness. It's not really through laziness. It's just, you know, how I am. That's why I don't get involved in Facebook. People keep on going like, be my friend, be my friend. There's no point because I don't write up there. I write on the fish page, right? And the fish page is more like a, it's like a working tool. It's a way, like, this is great, you know, and as far as it's a, it's a different part of that medium. But the actual Derek Dick Facebook page, I mean, I, I don't, I don't go out and look at everybody's pictures of cats and shit, right? And um, I, I, I don't like it, you know? Another reason I don't like it is because there's so many... Uh, good and bad. There's a lot of people that you're not in contact with that are, you've drifted past, you know? It's, you've, you've just drifted away from each other and you don't have any ties and, you know, there's no reason, you know? It's one of the things... You know, when I started off on Facebook, it was like, oh, you friend, 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 friend. And then you realise, you, you know, a lot of people, you have no idea who they are. They're all your friends on Facebook. And I had to pull back from it because, it, I mean, I can't do it. I can't answer all the private messages. I do not have the time in the day to answer all the messages that, that, that come in or not on that thing. But at the same time, you know, you've got... Um, there are people that I'm, I'm close to. And I go, wait. There are people that I'm close to. And that was kind of what inspired your friend. It was kind of weird time because, you know, you know, Tara was here and, you know, I'd moved up from, from London. I was in Scotland and, and my kind of, my pace changed. You know, in the same way as COVID lockdown changes your entire rhythm of life, you know. And when I moved up here from London, my, the rhythm of my life completely altered. And, um, and, uh, and at the same time, you know, I felt like I was putting down roots. I mean, I think when I was down in Gerald's Cross in Buckinghamshire, I didn't, it didn't really feel like a real home, you know. And it was when I moved back up here and I moved up to the farm and before I built the studio, you know, it suddenly felt like it was a family home, like a proper place. And my first wife and I moved in, and then, of course, Tana came along. And it, and Dear Friend was kind of... It was like a song to myself. It was, it was like that person in me that wanted to settle down, you know, addressing the kind of the other side in kind of the same way as I did an Incubus, which was another story, but... Dear friend is like me talking to myself, me addressing myself, right? The two different parts. The guy that wanted to settle down and the guy that was still out there trying to be wild and like, you know, maybe you should settle down too, you know? And, uh, and it, it, I, I thought, and I listened to the lyric, the lyric today, and it was, uh, I listened to the song, I mean, to make sure the CD didn't skip. <laughs> it was, it was true. I had to clean it like hell. It was, that was the one that buggered up the last time. Anyway, it's done. It's all right now, I've checked it. Um, dear friend, it's been a long, long while. I've been meaning to write you, but it was never my style. But what is these days? Now I'm a family man. And I love this part of the lyric, I, I used to really, I, I loved it. Do you blow sincere kisses to mistress's secrets in afternoons? Do you blow sincere kisses to mistress's secrets? And I can still do it, even with these teeth in the gap. Do you blow sincere kisses to mistress's secrets in afternoons? Right? If you'd had a wee swally before, 
we used to do it on the Kissing Tour. You know, do you blow sincere kisses to mistress's secrets on afternoons? But and it was Chris Kimsey who produced the album. It was his nightmare as well. Because when you're on the mic and it's producers and engineers hate that. Can you not change the line? No. Do you blow sincere kisses to mistresses' secrets and afternoons? Do you wear your disguises, feign the surprises at the questions she asks when she dares to accuse? You know what that is. Does your past lie under a dust sheet in the corner of a musty garage? That's where I keep mine now. Now I'm a family man. Are your horses still running when the bookie shop closed? Is the band still together? Did you ever get on the road? We chased the same women, we drank the same beer. We came as a pair when we ran around here. How are you these days? Now you're a family man. Buy a drink for the boy in my place at the end of the bar. Give a regards to Nina Slammer Tequila and I'll write you at Christmas or I'll send you a card. If you pass by, you're welcome to drop in and see me because it's unlikely I'll be around your way because I'm happy to be where I am living life as a family man. But was, yeah, there was a kind of inspiration behind it because I had a friend called Stuart MacDonald and Stuart and I met the first time I ever went to Berlin and that was in, I think it was 1978, I think. 78, 76. Can't remember. Off the top of my head, yeah. We went, I met this guy and he was brilliant. He came from Livingston and we went on a forestry trip. And um, we, um, I don't know, I'll tell, tell you what it is. Now, this is an interesting little thing, if I can find it, if it's up there. Pure, 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 pure. Where is it, where is it, where is it? It might be through in the control room. I'll take you through. When I was there, it was like, that was kind of like the first time. So it must have been, I don't know, like 1978. Is it up there? Nah. Oh, there it is. Nineteen seventy-eight, right? It's a pewter mug that I was given. I didn't realise at the time that oh, turn around. I didn't realise at the time there was this big thing in Germany about pewter mugs, right? And I got this this pewter mug from the family because we, we we basically went out to this this place. It was called uh, Radden, and it was near kind of Bielefeld, Minden kind of way. And we were all forestry guys that came from all over different parts of Scotland and England. And we went out about, it's about maybe 12 of us or something like that. And we went out to basically meet German foresters and see German forestry and sawmills and stuff. And I got this, given this pewter mug by the family that we stayed with, because we all stayed with families in this place called Radden, where we used that as a base to zip about seeing different forests. And I got given this and that, you can see backwards, it's fish, rather than 78. And that's the very first thing, that was the very first thing that I ever had the name fish written on because it had been earlier that year up in, um, when I was up in Fockabers, right, that I got the nickname fish. Charlie Roy, if you're watching, good evening. And, um, but yeah, so, Stuart was, was with us here. 
We had a fantastic time. There's so many brilliant stories out there. First, <laughs> nah, nearly. <laughs> no, 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 no. And um, we had a, a brilliant time. And I had a, a mild romance out there as well and things. It was, it was uh, But I went to Berlin, went through Checkpoint Charlie for the first time and stuff. And Stuart and I became muckers and we said, we've got to keep in touch. And there was another wee guy who I forget his name. And it was a... Uh, he was a wee, wee guy. He was from, they were all from Bathgate Way, Bathgate and Livingston, and um, and Stuart and I stayed in touch when we, we came back. And he was. I went on. It was the first time I was ever on a motorbike. Was uh, out in Livingston, and I was on the back of a Norton Seven Fifty, I think it was. And I was never allowed to go anywhere near motorbikes by my father because my dad, one of his best friends in the army. Um, uh, had been killed in a motorcycle crash just after they the, the came back for national service uh, down in uh, Kenya, and um, or Tanganyika it was it was Tanzania Tanganyika that was back then. So uh, yeah, so my dad's one of my dad's friends, and, and a little interesting side story on that was that my dad's friend was called Robert Shaw, right, and. Like I said, he was in the Remy, Royal, Royal, Royal Electrical Mechanical Engineers. Were, my dad was attached to the King's, uh, King's African Rifles, right? And Robert Shaw died, and right? I, I never met him. I found a photograph of him, right? But the weird thing is, now this is a lovely wee piece of Fellini here, right? Simon Mostyn, hello Simon if you're watching. Um, Simon Mostyn, who introduced me to World War One battlefields and the High Woods and blah 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 knows of Andy Robertshaw, who is a famous World War One historian, right? Like he's, you'll see him a lot on TV, right? And I went, that's a really weird name. And Simon knew Andy Robertshaw, and we got talking, and he introduced Simon, introduced me and Andy, and we had a natter about it. <laughs> And it turns out he was some far off relative. It was it was like he's he wasn't totally sure, but it was like he's a, an uncle once removed or something. But he remembered this guy, and it's how weird that was that my dad and Robert Shaw and Andy Robert Shaw and the Highwoods and everything and the bike accident. And then I was in the back of a Norton Seven Fifty, you know. And uh, when I told my dad, he wasn't very happy, even though I was like, <laughs> you know, in, in mid coming up to my twenties, <laughs> and um. And Stuart took me on this bike, and I was thinking, it was, I was wow, and you know, and he had a family, and he was out in Germany. He was he was kind of he was pretty wild, you know. But we came back, and then I went along to his house, and then I met his wife and all his kids and things, you know. And it was a completely different guy to the one I knew, and I think that was kind of the base for for dear friend. You're know, that kind of the, the two characters that I kind of created, you know, the guy family man writing to the guy who was the old. Rebel, and I kind of mishmashed it all around. But so yeah, that's who it was. It's Stuart McDonald from Livingston, who, was, who used to work for uh, the Forestry Department. And sometimes I hear from him, and I felt terrible because we, we lost kind of touch, and and I moved on. And it was the same way with a, a lot of my friends for Dal Keith. You know that um, you know when I got involved in the music industry, and when I when I started touring. You know, I lost touch with a lot of people. And uh, it wasn't deliberately, it was just, you know, the way I am. It's kind of, I, I, I just 
move through. It's not that I think anything less of anybody or, or feel anything less, but it's just I, I find it very difficult to, to... I have to keep moving. <laughs> and that was kind of where it was. And, and that was all the references to the garage and the did you pass lay under a dust sheet in the, in the corner of Musty Garage. And then... Da -da -da. The thing was, it was like... When I went into the, I went in that all the clutch and it straws references as well, you know. So buy a drink for the boy in my place at the end of the bar. Give my regards to Nina, which was a weird thing to get a, give my give my regards to Nina. Do give my give my give my regards to Nina. Give my regards to Nina. It's not particular. Get out of the canes at the right time. Nina, obviously. Um, and I'll write you at Christmas and I'll send you a card. Did I? Did I? Right. And then, do you still dream of Joni in sidewalk cafes? Is your Norton still running? Is the old man still alive? Do you still get to Dalkeith? Is your rent still as high? But I suppose you have a mortgage now. You're a family man. Yeah, so it was kind of... It, it was it was me kind of addressing me, but it was kind of... It was just the changes that we kind of go through. It's like, you know, I, I've kind of toned down my life, but, you know, it's um, it's changed a lot. And you know, I've, I'm a, I am a family man, right? But I've also still got um, you know a spirit in me that kind of burns. And you know, as I said, it was it was a kind of dear friend was kind of like a, a, a sorry to the friends that I haven't seen. You know, um, John and Isabel, if you're watching, I do remember all the time. Ron and Alan, I do remember all the time. Tony, I remember. You know, I have memories and very firm and strong memories. Of everybody, but I just it's the very nature of my business that you're you're forever moving, and you know, and when you you bump into people after a while, it's there's something so glorious about it, yeah. <laughs> Didn't have to say it. Oh, police! Um, I've got to switch on over here. I worked it all out. I've not watched it to switch this on yet. Manually put it on. Here we go. One, two, three. That's not it. Oh, bollocks. This is what happens when you put Latin numbers, your numbers in the back of a CD. I'm oh, sure it said six. Oh, but where's the CD cover? Yes. <laughs> I got the remote sorted out. I had everything planned and bang! Dear friend, work!
song I, you know when I heard it today it was like I, I, you know you forget but it was, there was another one Favourite Stranger uh, the remake we did with Sam Brown well, which is something that I might play next week or I might put on the list next week Favourite Stranger and I've, I've 
when I was listening to Internal Excel to make sure the disc was clean, uh, it was, um, I went, wow, I forgot how good it was. But you, you, it's, it's strange when you listen back, Simon Farquhar Corner here. <laughs> Farquhar Corner. It's when, I, when I listen to your friend back, though, it's, I keep on going that the structure's wrong. It's like, it was like there's one kind of, there's something no right about it, just the way it's balanced. And I think if it had been simpler, it could have been an even better song, but it still stands. And on the, the Fishheads, the Fishheads Club Acoustic Tour, it was, it, I, I used to like singing it. It's, it's, it, it's a very personal song. It's a very, you know, a very personal song in a way. And as was pointed out, it was, um, Frank Usher played some great guitar, but the slide and, and the lead, which was heavily encouraged by Chris Kimsey. And you can hear, especially in the slide part, it's very kind of little feety. It was right up Rikudri vibe. It was um, right up Frank Strasser. And, uh, and before anybody asks, no, I've not heard anything from Frank. Uh, I actually spoke to Foz the other day. Um, Foz and I phone each other up. I mean, again, it's a dear friend situation. It's like, I mean, Foss and I, like, go back. He's, he's you know, in my, my best friend books, right? And, um, you know, Foss and I, we didn't talk for five, six months, you know? And then when we got on the phone, it's like as if, it's as if it was yesterday and we, we'll, spend, we'll spend half an hour, 40 minutes talking to each other on the phone. And we spent half an hour, 40 minutes on the phone the other day talking about things, you know, about our mums and stuff like that. And, uh, and he hasn't heard for Frank either. And, and Frank and Foz were, were, were very close as well. I mean, obviously Frank and Foz and I were on the road for a long time. And, uh, and Foz had sent him a text, heard nothing back, sent him a Christmas card, nothing. So, you know, that's kind of where it is, you know, not through, you know, any attempt, slow, or lack of attempt by us to contact. So it's a shame, it's a shame, but Frank is Frank, love him always. I found this, by the way, today. Right? This is part of my birth birthday, pre my Christmas birthday presents, Christmas presents. Um, it's like you know when you're getting old, right? When you get excited because you get a jar of stuff, right? And this is from from in England, right? And it's organic lavender, right? Right, organic lavender, magnesium butter, right? <laughs> Magnesium butter. This is not for a sandwich. This is to be massaged into your feet. And I think my missus got that because she loves having her feet massaged. And I think, there's a present, darling. Use it on me. <laughs> but it seemingly puts you to sleep. I do, I do. You get the foot massage. When you get past the tickling bit, it's like every time I've been in to go and get, what's it called? Um, oh, the foot my reflexologist. <clears throat> every time I've been in to see a reflexologist, like I'm always kicking them in the... It's oh yeah, and my missus loves that now. She loves, do you just lie down and then she just does your feet and just like jail, right? But yeah, magnesium butter for your feet. I don't know what the ingredients are apart from magnesium, but magnesium butter. <laughs> yeah. well. Magnesium chloride, organic butter. 
Yeah, so I've got, I've got a magnesium butter that's put on my feet and it helps me sleep. And magnesium, don't mock it, right? Don't mock, don't mock magnesium, right? A wee tip here, right? I'll give you two tips today. One, how to do an omelette in a microwave. But the first one, right, magnesium butter and magnesium. It's, I used to use it on my legs on, on the road, like especially at night. You know, when I came, when I got on the tour bus and, you know, when my legs were really tight, just putting it, I bought this magnesium spray and I just put that into my legs. Oh, it was great. Just took it right off. Oh, no. How come my battery's running? Oh, no. Darling. When you took the Christmas tree out, where's the extension? It's too late for that. Seriously. When you took the Christmas tree away. Yeah, this extent we never have this extension apart from when we have the Christmas tree back. Sorry. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? So it's live. It's live. You'd, you'd never edit and record shit like this. Yeah. Thank you, babe. Okay. No problem. Tell him. Mm -hmm. Tell him. Before you go. Come, come, say hello. Do it. Come, say hello. Something in the frying pan. All right. Liam's. You can sit there, love. Hello. Simona. Hi. <laughs> You're cooking something good today, aren't you? Yes, it's a lot of work. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm making pancakes filled with um, porcini mushrooms, onions, and sauerkraut. And then I bread them in breadcrumbs and fry them. Do that again. Huh? So your pancakes, yeah. right, right? Put the filling in the big, th pancakes. big thin pancakes, like like tortilla wraps vibe. Yeah. Yeah. And it's what is it? The mushrooms, onion. Mushrooms, onions, sauerkraut. Yeah. Salt and pepper, and then I put it in the pancakes. Fold them, and then I put them in egg. The pancakes. The pancakes, the filled pancakes in egg, and then I bread them with breadcrumbs, and then I fry them again. <laughs> when are these going to be ready? After fish on Friday, <laughs> but I'm making Liam's now. They're vegan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Liam's vegan, so. Oh. Yeah. So. Yeah, we respect that. Yes. It means it, that we know difficult. that the, the chocolate is ours. It is difficult, isn't it? <laughs> it, is, it is hard. It's like, but it's you know, it works. I I might get quite into it, but it's um, you know, it's, it's the fact that there's no butter, no milk, no eggs, mm. but. I was, I was telling them about the poached eggs. They work, don't they? Good, yeah. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> I have had a couple of, a couple of screw-ups. But it was one of them little things. I was, in, I was on YouTube, and for some, I was doing, I was looking at something on, on, the, on a garden program. I have to go. All right, okay. Sorry. I was looking at something on a gardening program. And you know, you get these kind of YouTube things. And why don't you try this? And I went, how to do poached egg in a microwave? And I'm going like poached egg in a microwave. I always thought there was no, there was, I've never tried it, right? I'd never tried it. I didn't know what the effect of of doing an egg in, but you know, thinking logically, you know, it's kind of, um, uh, you know, fluid contained in a, in a sealed sack, right? Being heated up, you know, you kind of, you know, there's going to be a problem, right? So, I was going poached egg in a microwave. Let's have a crack at that, right? So we're not right, and this. You have to Google it to make sure you get it right. Oh, this is this is it, right? These this is Liam's vegan versions. Vegan right? version. Get up. 
There we go. Mm. Very pancakes. What's in those ones? Like the same. Just the same. Mm -hmm. Brilliant, eh? Yeah. What was I talking about? Oh, you took me right off there. Oh yeah, poached eggs. Uh, that old man, you, you must forgive me. And um, yeah, so poached eggs. If if you get a bowl, right, it's about yawn deep, about yawn, right, yawn deep, and about four inches, five inches, kind of across, four inches, five inches across, right, and about maybe an inch and a half deep. You put in half a cup full of water, right, and then you put the egg in it, right, and you'll put the egg in the cold water in a wide, wide-brimmed kind of uh, bowl, right? Put in a microwave, full power, for a minute, just a flash minute, right? Try that, it'll freak you out, right? Bam, instant poached eggs, absolutely brilliant. And the thing is that because the egg's in the cold water, right, when the microwaves hit it, right, it, it doesn't kind of, the, the cold water kind of takes the edge off it, which means that the egg heats up inside the cold water from the centre out, right? And you get an instant poached egg. It's absolutely tremendous. I'm was, I'm, I mean, poached eggs, I find them really tricky, right, to make anyway. But, I mean, this one, and I, and I do it. And then I've got clever, and you know what you do, you know, you've done this, so I'll just push the envelope a little bit. So let's see, I had these little um, uh, goo chocolate things that, that Liam had before he went vegan, vegan, right? And I thought, I'll try it in one of them. And I thought, if that, if those things, what, the little goo glass chocolate things, glass chocolate things, the, the glass containers, put the egg in cold water, put it in the microwave, hit a minute, bang! <laughs> and then I found out, why you don't put eggs in the microwave? Fucking thing was covered in egg yolk. I was like, poof, I was like 20 minutes cleaning all the, all the inside of the microwave. But, Google it first, just so you get the measurements right, because I don't want you to ruin your microwave on my behalf, because, well, that bastard fish told me, like, this is what you do, and it's that I've just ended up with microwave covered in egg yolk. Four inch, like I said, about a four inch diameter uh, bowl that's about maybe an inch and a half deep or something, right? Cold water, half a cup of cold water, egg in there, full bore, 60 seconds, bam, microwave, microwaved poached eggs. Stunning, man, right? Oh. But you learn all these amazing things. Why is the video stopped? Why is the video stopped? Come on. I'm a vape died. Shit. Where have I disappeared to? Have I gone off? Sorry, there's something weirdness going on. Oh, just, I'm, I just, I'm just missing out. Oh. What's happening with this? Ah! 
Yeah, I saw Juddery over here. I don't know what it is. Like you said, I was I was watching telly last night, and and you know if you get heavy snow comes across the Lammermuirs, and I get my signal from Lothian Broadband. If you get really heavy snow, then it's bang, satellite goes off. Right. Mark couldn't deny, but how many did it get to get his poached egg right? I know. As, but you think about that with everything, you know, it's like with any any food stuff, somebody has had to experiment and undergo the, the trial, you know. Just think of some of the stuff that's been invented, you know. Claudine Ford, someone said, ah, Victoria Akatonkasin, da da da. Oh, yeah, Victoria Akatonika L. Harrison. Yes, you've asked about Shot the Crow. I'll deal with it. I'll put Shot the Crow up for a vote. Right? If I, I'll put it up for a vote next week with Favourite Stranger, right? So, like, and if it comes up, I'll deal with it. But it's, um. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fritz Fineman, one ounce and one set of cold water Nestle coffee in a microwave. Unbelievable. Oh, don't know about that. Ah, delay. It's all da da da. <laughs> George Yuri, why did it switch over? A kitten, kitten video just now. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Atwell, hey fish, love this song. Reminds me of working in an electric showroom where a guy whose horses were still running when the when the, the, the shop shut down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lisa Wagner. Oh, no, 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 da, 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 da. Oh, that's great. Liebe Grüße aus Wuppertal. Good see the house. Good see du aus für 21. Liebe und Glück für dich und Simone. Danke vielmals. Wir würden dich... Gerne einmal wiedersehen hören. Ich hoffe das auch. Ja. Ich freue mich auf meinen nächsten, nächsten Besuch. Oh, ja, ja, ja. Oh, ja, es ist ein Here we go. This is from... Da -da -da. Alison Courtney. Alison Courtney. And he said, I'm writing to you to ask... If you'd wish my husband, Bill, a happy birthday on your next Fishing Friday, he will be 55 on the 11th of January. So happy birthday, Bill. Happy birthday to you. So you are. Brilliant, eh? <laughs> Birthdays. God. Honest, there's a couple other things that came in. Um, oh, Richard Llewellyn. Not sure I will be able to watch show as youngest set of twins birthdays, Charlotte and Daniel, who are 22, the youngest set of twins. You mean you've got more than one set of twins? You deserve a medal, young man. So, happy birthday, Charlotte and Daniel, who are 22. Right? It's a bit of Ed Stupert Stewart. I remember that. Ed Stupert Stewart on Saturday morning. I used to lie in bed. My dad used to bring me up the Victor or whatever comic I was kind of like into at the time. It was usually the Victor. And I used to get the Eagle. was another one I used to get when I was younger. And my dad, on a Saturday morning, he used to go up to the... the he used to go up to the bakers in the back street in Dalkeith and get his rolls and go up to Rintoul's, the news agent, get his papers, buy my comics and my sister's comic, which I think was The Treasure or something like that, right? And then he used to come up and he used to give us like a jam roll, right, in the morning. He used to get a jam roll and a cup of tea on a Saturday morning with your comic, right? And it was great, you know? And it's, uh, always used to like comics on Saturday morning, right? Oh, no, 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 delay, delay. 
Tell us an on-the-road story begin. Yes, oh, that was another one. Yeah, yeah and it, that was the point. <laughs> it's Stuport Stewart. And I, I used to put the radio on in the morning and I used to listen to Ed Stuport Stewart in the morning doing all the kind of, the, um, all, the, all the songs and stuff, for the musical, all the kids' songs. Puff the Magic Dragon. And then you get occasional pop songs would come in, right? That were kind of very light and children-like, you know? And it was, um, but it was the Puff the Magic Dragon. And it was like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. You always you see songs from the musicals. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And that toot song. That <laughs> Ever since the 80s, I've never been able to toot. Sweets, toot, sweets. Anyway, that's the other part of Dear Friend I was on about. But, it's, um, but yeah, and paint your wagon. I watched that. Simone and I watched that the, the, during the break. What a brilliant movie. Clint Eastwood singing. I talk to the trees, but they don't listen to me. Great. Lee Marvin. That was one of my favourite Lee Marvin roles. Lee Marvin in Paint Your Wagon. That was a film set that you really wanted to be on, you know? That must have been a lot of fun. Bunch of guys up in the mountains, right? You know, that must have been fantastic. I mean... And imagine being in Lee Marvin's company up in the mountains with Clint Eastwood. I don't think the two of them probably got on that great, but I, I mean, there's a great, there's some great songs in it. I was some great, great songs. Uh, Stephen Bringhoff. Last week I read a very exciting interview of this minute he gave for Marco's Marillion Museum. Right, he had mentioned a recording you did with the Stone Dome Band with a pre-version of the Web and a song called Eyes in the Sand. He also mentioned the tape sent to Marillion. How are your memories about this? Number one is I don't remember doing any recordings at all with the Stone Dome Band. It must have been something incredibly basic. Um, rehearsing in a piggery, you know, cleaning the rat shit off the equipment in the morning when you came in. No, 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 no. it was a terrible place. But no, Diz, and I'm, now there you are, now Diz, there is somebody who's like a, a very dear friend. And I've not spoken to Diz now for oh, well over a year, probably. But, you know, I still think about Diz, and I've got loads of great memories of Diz. And, you know, when I went down to Retford to, to join the Stone Dome Band, right? It was, uh, yeah, and then coming back up, up north, when Diz and I came up to uh, Hawkshaws in Ettrick Bridge, Maybe one day we'll have a little blue plaque on it. This is where we fish. ex million singer fish. You know, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, but yeah, when, when Diz and I put that tape together, there's a version, I think Steph Jeffries has got a, a, a copy of it. And um, uh, Mick Pointer's ex-wife from, from way, way back, right? But yes, I think Steph... I had the copy, and I think that this, I'm, I'm sure this has got a copy. All we did was, was back then, was basically, um, we put some songs, a couple of, a Genesis song, a John Anderson song, I can't remember which one it was, and I sang on one channel of the stereo, and uh, basically copying the vocal. And, um, and then I think we did some couple of bits and pieces around the garden party kind of motif, but it wasn't kind of where it, it went eventually, because the lyric was written as was uh, most of the web was written at that point as well, before he even joined Marillion. 
But, um, but yeah, fond memories of that time. But I mean, Stone Dome Band. That, I mean, oh, that was... <laughs> it, it didn't even register at all. It was, uh, you know, long time ago. Paul Bernard wants to ask if you, did you find the Scattering Crows DVD back in the garage? No, didn't find, sorry, gone. Stuart Braid, fish, do you still get morning rolls? No, I don't. I'm, I live two and a half miles out of town. And it's, um, so yeah, we don't get morning rolls. But my wife, my wife can make rolls and she makes the beautiful, the German crunchy ones rather than the baps. I love the soft baps and I will come to love them even more if unless I get to a dentist at some time in the next six months. I will come to love soft baps. Jim Hader, the war comics, Swan Size, Commando and Battle. There were they were other ones. I always used to get them on the summer holidays. Commando and Battle. The little comics things, they were brilliant. Mick Bryant, Royal of the Rovers with Hot Shots, Hamish. <laughs> I'm all I missed that one, sorry. The theme tune of Glenn Michael's Cavalcade. Anthony Craig, as Spike Milligan once sang, I talk to the trees, that's why they put me away. Fritz Veneman, they're the model of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang in the Bond 077 Museum in London. I actually saw Chitty Chitty Bang Bang in London with my mum and dad. Right? Chris Harris, so Pink Your Wagon when it came out of the audience in Stafford and decided that if I was going to be a singer, I wanted to sing like Lee Marvin. Go figure. Uh, I tell you, I've done tours at the end of which it was like, I was born under a wandering star. I was born under a wandering star. Great. That's my kind of key. That's my kind of key. Yeah. Stephen Scott, cup of tea, jam roll on a comic, candy wacker. Absolutely agreed, young man. Well. Uh, do you remember Shoot Magazine? Yes, yeah, Shoot Magazine. It was a football magazine in the UK. And when there was a Hibs player in it, it was like, yes! That was Alec Cropley or something like that, or Peter Maranello. Uh, uh. Tiger, that was another great comic. We should do a thing in comics. Yeah, Chee Chee Bang Bang was written by Ian Fleming, who created James Bond. Well done, that was... Who was that? I missed that. Uh... Five years almost to the day that Stupot died, January the 9th. You got a playback five years. Yeah, so did. Keith Johnson passed Hawkshaw very regularly, didn't realise. Yeah, Keith, Hawkshaw was where Diz and I lived for about, uh, it seemed like an eternity, but it was about, um, I think it was about a month, month or five weeks we were there in the freezing cold, right? in Hawkshaws that sat twixt the Ettrick and Yarrow Valleys, right? And when we wanted to drive to... I remember there was one time we drove to Frank's house and uh, um, we hadn't been drinking, but we weren't 
fresh in our minds. I know. And we drove in the snow across in between the Yarrow and, and uh, well, the, the Ettrick into the, the Yarrow Valley. And then I had to go across to uh, to Frank's place, across on, on the other side, close to Enerleden. And um, driving across the top road, <laughs> there was no markings, no snow sticks or anything. The complete way out. And down one side was like a huge drop that went down into some burn. <laughs> Disney <Dizzy and> stone. <laughs> and a Ford Katina Mark IV. <laughs> Bit of that going on. Bob Falk, do they have donors in Scotland? Of course we've got donors in Scotland. Donors are everywhere. International man. Looking was my Saturday comic, Tim Sycamore. Yeah, wuss. Uh, Looking. <laughs> Dick Green, rep for my hometown, gets a mention again. Three rep Fordians listening tonight. <laughs> rep Fordians. Hello, Repford, how you doing? Not been there for a very, very long time. Ray Ard, Action Comics. Jeff Cooper, Swedish, Swedish Chef version, marvellous. <laughs> oh, Queen of South came on. Jim Hedra, quarter two. I did, John Thompson, I didn't know you spoke Muppet. <laughs> Let's see if there's anything other... What's left of this lot here that came in? Yeah, I've done that one. Uh, oh, yeah. Stay. 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 Has asked me, right, if possible, could you please ask Fish to say hi and send a big hug to Lane during the upcoming broadcast 8-1 as she has recently received some horrible it's news. Lane, big virtual hug, love. Bear hug. Yeah. That's from Steve. Hope everything works out. Kennedy, I won't ask if you joined the Mile High Club. What happens on tour stays on tour. But any favourite stories of a really good flight or a nightmare one? I've been really lucky. He says, touching mood. Oh, yeah, this is my Christmas present. My wife got me this for Christmas. Remember these? It's a travel bag. <laughs> <coughs> she got me a really cool travel bag. It's one of them great bags for backstage areas, right? And, um, you know, you can bounce it about and ain't going to get ripped up. Great. God knows when I'm going to be using that again. It's like, remember, remember suitcases, right? What... Mummy, what are, what are these things? Those are called suitcases. That was when we used to travel. We used to take all our things in there. Oh. Colin Baird, Valiant. Valiant magazine. Valiant comic. Yeah, God. Glenn, will they have Hibs signed Matt Macy from Arsenal? The big keeper? I think we might have. I don't know, but we need one. Uh. Neil Montgomery, Bruins and Ur William Annuals. That was another thing. At this time of year, you'd probably be reading, or maybe a bit earlier, you'd be reading your Bruins and Ur Willie Annuals. I used to, when you got one of them, it was like, wow, a compendium of Ur Willie. English people, and kind of, or I should say, Scottish people could explain to the rest of the people in this what the, the Ur Willie and Bruins are. Uh, 
Chris Harris, still got the first thousand issues of 2000 AD in the garage. A thousand issues. Wow. See, I had... When my mum and dad uh, sold the house in Dalkeith and, and moved up to, to North Berwick, they had to get rid of a load of stuff. And I had a load of stuff in that house, right? All right. And I've never quite forgiven my mother for that ever, right? I had all the sounds papers, sounds melody maker, and quite a lot of enemy, but sounds and melody maker, and uh, musicians only, I think was the other one I had, right? I had everyone from the 70s. I had piles of them, right? All sitting there, that was my collection, right? And I had them, and I'd been collecting Hibs programmes. I'd Hibs Manchester United for the 50s, the Naples game, Sport Lisbon, all, more, all the games that I'd been at, piles of Hibs programmes. And I'd been spending, I'd spent a lot of money in my teenage years trying to get all this, all these Hibs programmes together. And then I moved down, joined Marillion, and I was kicking about down there, and they moved in 1985. And they threw them all out. My mum threw all my Hibs programmes out and all my copies of Sounds, and all my copies of Melody Maker, they were all thrown out. And it's really difficult. It, it was hard, especially the Hibs programmes that I'd been collecting since I was 12. Right? And uh, but all the Sounds things, you know, all the classic Sounds newspapers. But yeah, comics. And my wife's having a go at me at the moment because I've got loads of stuff. I've got to keep quiet, just walk by. I've got loads of magazines. I've got... Q from edition one, some of them are a bit tatty, but all the 80s Qs, right? I've got loads of, I've got, grow your own magazine now, I'm a real magpie with magazines, I find it really hard to throw them out. And um, grow your own magazine, Q, uh, prog magazine, I think I've got all the progs, right? And, uh, and, and my wife's, I've got to hide them somewhere. Mike Boys, do you have fruit in Scotland? Yes, we have fruit. Apples, raspberries, all that kind of stuff. Raspberries and apples and brambles. We don't grow bananas. I was going to ask you, you, you know, I've got to watch your time, you tend to, right? And I've got to get the song up, right? It's, um, uh, bananas. My mum loves bananas. She, every morning, every morning we take her through a glass of diluted cranberry juice and a bowl of cornflakes with a banana with honey on the top and a cup of tea and a pack of tabs, right? And um, a box of tab tablets, a box of tabs. Oh, I would always give them my mum acid in the morning. It really helps her through the day. <laughs> but yeah, so, um, but she loves bananas, right? And, and, I'm, and I'm very partial to banana. When I'm on the road, I might eat a lot of bananas. Banana and roast beef sandwiches, I love. Sounds weird, but try it. Banana and roast beef sandwiches. Mum loves bananas, but have you noticed, if you're a banana person, the difference in the texture of bananas these days? And when they go off, like normally they get nice wee black spotted bits and you open it up and it's kind of like, it goes all mushy, you know, if they get too old. Now they kind of go, they get this weird shade on them. And even the new bananas that you buy, and I try and buy organic bananas when I can find them, right? But have you noticed they're getting smaller, right? 
And when you open them up, they've got this weird texture. Now, even the new ones, like this, this, it's kind of, they're like ripe, but they're not. You know, you know, like a green banana is kind of like, it's, it's really hard and stuff. And unless they're cooked, they don't work. But they're kind of like, they're yellow on the outside, but it's as if the actual flesh isn't, isn't it right. Somebody should look into this. There's something wrong with the bananas out there. Yeah. But I was in Costa Rica, and I have heard, by the way, that you know there's a lot of problems where um, uh, there's a disease of of bananas that they've been trying to eradicate. That it's basically they're not been able to eradicate. Uh, they found a new variant. Yeah. And um, but I remember when I was in Costa Rica, and when I was on the the Caribbean coast where there was a lot of big banana plantations. You used to drive for hours through these banana plantations and you used to see these big signs with skull and crossbones going, you know, pericles, oh, da, 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 dangerous, blah, 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 get poisoned. And they were spraying these bananas with some sort of, like, you know, evil chemical, right? And it really made me think twice, and it, it made me think twice about bananas in the future. I mean, eating bananas when I came back home because you're aware that they're all sprayed with a lethal, a really serious heavy-duty chemical that's basically nobody's allowed inside the plantations when they're actually spraying this damn stuff. But hearing about this, this, this disease and this infestation, people are talking about, you know, no more bananas in the next couple of years because of this disease. And, um, but it's, I've, I've just been noticing. So next time you have a banana, I want you to check it out and just see what the texture's like. Have a, have a good suck at your banana and, like, you know, just write in and just tell us what your opinion is. Banana Corner, thank you very much. Right, it's 5262. Two, two. I'm going to have to find something. I have to find this. Ah. Now, do I play the live version, which is really cool? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on here. It's on here. <laughs> ah, wee bastard hiding from there, man. This is, uh... Blah, blah, blah. Yes. Disc three. Disc three, loaded in, checks the number. Can I see it's in grey? Oh, for God's sake. 10, 11, tw Eight! Oh, no disc, you bastard. Come on.
unbelievable. This is your bloody fault. This never happens. When I'm on my own in the house, this never happens. The heat's broken down again. But we shall fix it. Power down, 10 seconds, remember that whole thing? Hello, I'm your Sky representative. What are you doing? I've already bloody well done it. But if you just do it again, sir, there's no point in getting annoyed. Here we go. You're not laughing, I know you are, I know you are, you have a good bloody laugh. Right, let's try again. <laughs> He's a broken. I was getting really worried there. I just pulled the plug out the back and the blue light was still on. Right. This is why I'm a singer. I'm not a tech, right? See this first, Bob? See the break of the gin? <laughs> right. Open. Open, CD out, CD in, tray on, load, read, read, read. This is bollocks. No, I just put a disc in. You just saw me do it. You know when this, I put a disc in. There is a disc in there. Help. Help. Oh dear. Oh, for, for, come on, you brat. Let's try again. Open. Read. Read. Eleven! Eleven, you bastard! This better not be a faulty disc, love. <laughs> Darling, we've got a faulty disc, I want my money back. Okay, let's find another one. Da -da -da -da. Bear with me, talk amongst yourselves, here we go. The only other copy of songs for the run I've got you. It's in a cellophane wrapper. It's in a cellophane wrapper. <laughs> it had to be. It bloody well had to be in a cellophane wrapper. <laughs> one of them really, one of them really 
Darling, darling, Mr. Grimsdale, <laughs> I need a knife. I can't have the cellophane. <laughs> this is live. We can't be dealing with this. Anderson Coupon. Anderson Coupon. <laughs> Anderson Coupon from... Don't, uh, this CD player better not have gone down. Seriously. I'll be... <laughs> <coughs> you got your love. Mr. Grimsdale. Mr. Grimsdale. Quick. We're losing the listeners. <laughs> Put in... Loud, read. What number is it? Oh. Oh. What number's the track? <laughs> Which track do you want? Which track? Five years. Um, the last one, woman. It doesn't say one, two, three, four. Seven, eight. Nine. Nine. <laughs> nine. What do you mean, nine? Number nine. Number nine. <laughs>
Five years from the songs from the Mirror album. <laughs> the reason uh, the CD didn't work, it was nothing to do with the Heed CD player. Um, I'd like to pull back. Um, it was the idiot, um, the idiot engineer, um, who, because I was dealing with this off the cuff, and I just decided rather than play a Velchman's track, we'd do five years because of that. I was trying to play a DVD through the CD player because I just picked out the last CD in the Songs from the Mirror remaster set and I forgot it was a DVD. So it's my fault. So, a little bit later, five minutes of extra time. And uh, I was going to play the, 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 the version of, of Sushi because it's a brilliant version. It's the, the, the live version that's on the Songs from the Mirror remaster. I like, I like the live version from Utrecht, from Italy, even more. It was a fantastic concert. But, so there we are. Another vision Friday. Uh, managed to get through it. Um, didn't go nuts. Didn't go raving and drooling into the darkness. Close to it. Close to it. A lot of politics tonight. But you know, I think relevant politics, as we all expect. <coughs> and here we are. Back in lockdown. I said, um... I said before, you know, the Fishing Fridays will continue. I mean, I need them as much as you need them. It's like, you know, you know, I need to, to, to get this. I mean, I was, I was raging this morning. I mean, I had to apologise to the accountants because I was becoming so emotional, right? I was getting very emotional. I, I don't, I'm a singer, I'm an artist, and I don't do kind of like, I would have been a crap lawyer, but 
fucking and um so I needed it tonight. So it was a, a necessary piece of um uh you know, just freedom of expression. Um You've all seen the numbers. The numbers in London are absolutely shocking. And uh, last week we had three people die in, in East Lothian, sadly. And uh, I keep on hearing the things closer to us. As I said, I'm glad. I mean, tomorrow morning, you know, I'm taking my 88-year-old mother down to uh, the doctors to get her, her first vaccination, which I'm going to be glad of because it takes a, bit, uh, a wee bit of pressure off us, the fact that my mum's vaccinated. And if anything, if we caught anything accidentally i mean we are actually very very exceedingly exceedingly careful up there but i mean the point is i mean if you just look at it one in 30 people in london now one in 30 that's a phenomenal number right and it's going to get worse because we've just come through the christmas thing but i think for all of you you know you just got to stay safe and stay positive like i said i mean this morning in the last four or five days, I mean, I have been visited by a black dog a few times this week, but I've had to shoo it out the door, you know? You know, shoo, get away, you know? I can't let it dominate and, and neither can, can any of us allow it. We've got to try and just stay positive and find things to do, read a book, write a book, <laughs> which my daughter told me I should be doing today. But, um, but yeah, You've, you've got to follow the guidelines. You know, it's, it's horrendously dangerous now. I mean, um, you know, if this, you know, this isn't a comic book, you know, this is, this is a real life thing. And the washing your hands, getting sanitized when you go to Tesco's clean or co-op or, you know, Morrison's or wherever you go, Sainsbury's, you know, wipe your trolley down, spray it down, you know, da -da -da, there's no shame in it. You know, you're looking after yourself and you're looking after other people. In the same way as like cleaning your own hands. If you go in a supermarket, you're picking up stuff that other people have picked up, right? When you come out of the supermarket, you disinfect your hands and you wear a mask. Right? There's some horrendous stories and, and you know, I, I find it unbelievable. Even yesterday on Channel 4, there was people like doubting it. You know, it's like these guys that go, oh, the election was fake and literally we were robbed. In the same way, some people are taking photographs, as was pointed out yesterday, of empty hospital corridors going, there's nothing going on. It's all fake news. Bullshit. It's real. Right? Those numbers you see out there are real. Right? The long COVID is real. Right? I was talking to somebody like, just the other day who's like, you know, two months They've had it since. They came out two months ago and they're still dealing with lung issues and can hardly do anything. It's real, right? And it's up to you to play a part in, you know, your community, not just your family, but your community and your the, the country, you know? It's like, you know, be part of it, you know? Be part of, you know, trying to shut this damn thing down until the vaccines are out there and it's going to take a long time. You know, that is the, the full fact and, and hard matter of it. It's going to take a long time for all these vaccines to get into place. And until then, we're all susceptible. <clears throat> We've got to stop spreading. The numbers are getting too high. So that's all I ask you. Care for you know other people, think about other people, and just use common sense. Common sense is the best thing to use, you know. And um, like I said, wear the mask, keep the distance, and, and look after yourselves. And, and take care of your, your mental health by trying to find new things to do or learn or whatever, you know. I'll still be here every Friday, so, you know, it's, um, it's uh, I plan to, to, as I said, keep on doing this. But until next week, when I'll be back, uh, we'll get a new choice up and everything else. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, uh, like I said, 
and I managed not to rant, but like, of course. But until next week, just take care and stay alive and stay safe. Okay, goodbye.